Welcome, everybody, to The Business Podcast, where we pour out weekly business lessons from entrepreneurs and business owners from around the world. This week's episode is brought to you by me and my brand new super retreats for entrepreneurs and business owners. To learn more, go to superjoeparto.com slash retreats. I'm your host, Super Joe Pardo, and my guest today is making his dreams come true by empowering dreamers to find their voice. And if you listen to the end of this, he has uh, his six pillars of a successful podcast launch that he wants to share with all of you. Ladies and gentlemen, wherever you are right now, I need to give a big warm welcome to our guest, Super Harry Duran. Woo! Hey, am I allowed to applause for myself? Yeah, of course. This is, this is, this is self-congratulatory. Congratulatory. Congratulatory. Thanks for having me, Joe. Oh, thank you so much for being here, Harry. I was, uh, I was a guest on the podcast Junkies not too long ago where we had a lot of discussion about DJing. And um, yeah. from that discussion, it looks like I will be dusting off the turntables leading up to September when we have MapCon here uh, just outside of Philadelphia. So thank uh, you for that. That's exciting. <laughs> Yeah, you, you posted something about that, and obviously, anytime I see a mention of a, a party and vinyl and turntables, it definitely warms my heart. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So, Harry, why don't you get started by giving some background about yourself? So, let's see. <laughs> what an open-ended question. <laughs> let's see where we go with that. Um, I've been, I was in corporate America for about 20-plus years. Um and it's been an interesting journey from there to becoming an entrepreneur. And I think a story that highlights it was just this idea of listening to to voices like of people and thinking that like um, they had the guidance for how my life should go. So in the beginning, my father would tell me, hey, you should like graduate from college. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. And then I that didn't happen because I grabbed the first job I could, my first suit wearing job because I was convinced I had made it once I start wearing a suit. <laughs> And then I had that and then you start making really good money and you hit like your first six figure paycheck and, and your boss is like, you should be so happy. You're, you're like making money that like only the top 10% of people make. And I'm like, okay, that's great. But the stirring, you know, just began and I was like, I, I think I, I want to do something else. And I have this like small entrepreneurial vein inside me. And then the dot com craze hit and I left my job. I took a, a unpaid position at a startup, cashed out my 401k to zero. <laughs> not, not recommended, but I mean, I think at the time I just felt like that was my path. Na- naturally, since we're having this conversation, that didn't exactly pan out the way I thought it would. <laughs> And so I just went back to corporate America, then eventually took, went down to Atlanta, did a job with my brother in construction of all things. It was bananas. I mean, I thought um, that was going to be a good idea. and and But maybe the idea that we we signed the deal in the Hooters restaurant was probably not a good sign that it was going to work out. And so like, you know what they say about working with family two years later, I'm back on a plane. And so just like all these things. And I was listening to his voice. And then I realized, man, I should listen to my own. And what is it that I want to do that I'm passionate about? So leading back to the music. I created a mobile app called Know Your DJ, and uh, and I said I want to promote the app. So I went to New Media Expo in 2014 with the idea of interviewing DJs. And as you might imagine, Joe, trying to track down globe-trotting DJs is not the easiest thing. Would not be the easiest thing in the world. But I noticed all these podcasters there. You know, Cliff Ravenscraft, Pat Flynn, Amy Porterfield, and I thought it was interesting. I considered myself a podcast junkie, and somehow that name was born. And that's how I started my personal show, Podcast Junkies. And then as of uh, this. Last Monday, April 9th, I, I, it was my four-year anniversary, 165 interviews with just some amazing podcasters such as yourself telling amazing stories. 
And over the course of that time, I learned a lot about what it takes to 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 market and grow and launch a podcast. And now for the past two and a half years, I've had a company called Fullcast, and that's what we do. It's a, it's a done-for-you podcast uh, consultancy, and uh, the tagline is we uh, empower thought leaders to amplify their authority and expand their reach through the power of a podcast. Oh, I, I love it. I, I love the fact that you're, uh, you know, 165 episodes in. Uh, it, it's not easy if, if for anybody who thinks it's easy, um, to just get, turn on a microphone and do it. Uh, it, sometimes it takes a lot of effort, uh, to, to even, even to, to, to be like, you know, I'm not feeling it today and I am still going to turn on that microphone. I'm still going to do the interview. And there, there's been plenty of times where I felt that way. I don't know about you. Of course. Yeah. Every podcaster does. I mean, it's that, it's that sense of, competing uh interests or, or energy levels you know we, we feel different energy at the different parts of the day so i think that's why i'm a big fan of batching so that if you're in that mode of interviewing or being interviewed uh like uh our, our, our mutual friend johnny dumas does a fellow podcaster like he's he's because of that military background he can do a, a ton in a day but just that idea has always stuck with me ever since i heard it just kind of like put yourself in a position to succeed and if you scatter interviews or, or these episodes hit and miss across the month you know you're, you're just going to find the spot where you just your energy is low and i think you have to make sure you're 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 fulfilling that contract you have with listeners right because if you are if you're just dialing it in you probably shouldn't even record the episode yeah i've been there too. <laughs> been there too <laughs> at the point where like you know i just i just don't want to do it and and i've had you know i've had there's been a few times where i've had to cancel and, and reschedule because it's just too drained or too not feeling it um and it's it's tough it it it's tough. Um, you know, you said like competing, uh, interests and competing in the energy space. And, and when you're, and then when you're in my case, like you're trying to have so many balls in the air where you balance, jump, you know, balancing them all at once or, or juggling them all at once. Uh, it it can be extremely difficult to be like, okay, I'm going to dedicate the next hour to something that's going to suck a ton of energy out of me. It's not even about yeah. the time of, of one, you know, an hour conversation. It's about the, the energy to be able to listen, to be able to focus and to be able to, you know, pinpoint those questions and, and just really, um, have an engaging conversation and not just be in like, listen, Mo, where I just sit back and just kind of stare off in the space for a little while. Um, exactly. so let, let's go into, uh, w how, like, so how did you wind up getting a, a job? Like you, so you dropped out of college to, to go work in corporate America. How, how did, that's not like a normal story that usually happens. Well, it's interesting because I was always, um, I had a, a, a job at a, as, as the teller in, in the bank and then I just was doing the job really well. And they said, well, we have a part-time position, then it's full-time. And then, you know, at that time, you, the, the money is like uh, attractive to you. And I just I, I started wearing a suit to work and I was like, well, I guess I kind of made it, you know, and I, so they made me like a head cashier. Then I moved to sales and I moved to this. I had someone I called my my corporate godfather. Like I never I think we we chatted and caught up last week. He lives in Fort Lauderdale. And I, I think we figured out that I ended up working for him six different times at three different at two different companies because <laughs> it was like he, it's it's the mantra of hire who you know right and so he just kept uh, promoting me he he knew my, what my work ethic was and at the time I was like well you know maybe I'll go back um, but I just was just fascinated I mean I think it was just made for I, I love the idea of like putting my skill sets to use and and at the time 
he started having me do these projects, like write these operations manuals. And, and, and I was really good with spreadsheets because I had learned Lotus one, two, three of all things. <laughs> now I'm really a little myself. bit. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> and so, but I knew all this stuff, you know, I was just really, I'm really drawn to technology. My dad had uh, computers early on. He used to work for Exxon when they used to make uh, electric typewriters. And so there was a, a model called the Quix, which was a huge, 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 huge mammoth typewriter. And it had this little one LED screen. And so you'd type out the one line and you'd check the spelling like, okay, and then it would, it would type out the one line. So it's kind of like a, 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 dig, like a word processor in, it, in its heyday, but it was huge. It was heavy. It was like a weapon. Um, and then I had a Texas Instruments and then I had a Tandy 1000. So like I was really drawn to computers. And so I think when I landed in, you know, started getting responsibilities, I felt like I had, to, I wanted to prove myself and I just put all these things to use. And, you know, at that time, not a lot of people were that into computers. So if I was able to put together spreadsheets and help people on the computer, I think it was just like an asset and I felt like I was valuable. And I just kept growing and growing in terms of responsibilities. And that's just how like my career took off. And I sort of never looked back. Well, it's funny you say that because now you're helping people with technology in a different way than putting yeah. Lotus one two three spreadsheets together. <laughs> I, don't yeah. even, I don't Does that even still exist at this point? I don't, <laughs> I, I kind of doubt that it does. Uh, but let's see. What was one, two, three initial release back in 1983, and the last stable re release was in 2002, version 9.8.2. Which I mean, I used to use uh, Lotus. Uh, what was the what's the one uh, approach? Uh, oh, okay. Like approach and 2000 or something like that, yeah. and which is now like 18 years old. Uh, but and yeah, Lotus Notes was big too. Yeah, yeah, it, it it definitely they definitely yeah I think notes might have outlasted everything else yeah uh, as far as the Lotus package goes um, oh in fact they they still make Lotus notes it's now called <laughs> IBM notes and it's on version nine point oh point one twenty nine years old with the last release uh, this year January thirty first two months ago nice. that is incredible actually <laughs> um, so so anyway Harry uh, what you know what um what what really enabled you to feel like you were um i don't want to say good enough but like you that you were proficient enough and confident enough in your abilities to go and launch a company around something you had been doing for 2 years well it's interesting because i well i got i got the biggest thing i did was realize that i didn't know it all and so this uh, someone that i continuously referenced because I, I I just feel like he's had a, a big impact on my way of thinking is Jim Rohn uh, and just by virtue of that one quote that says you are the sum of the five people you most associate yourself with and I realized Joe that uh, while I had a great group of friends from from corporate America and I had a nice great group of college friends and you know high school friends when I looked at a, a support group for what I was trying to do. And in, in the beginning, it was just podcasting. So it was just my tribe of fellow podcasters. But that was my first taste of like what it's like to be around a tribe. You know, I went to the very first podcast movement. I remember when Jared Easley and Dan Franks uh, and Gary Leland, and they were starting it and it's, they wanted a Kickstarter and they just wanted to raise $10,000. They're like, oh, that's all we'll do. And I was like, I mean, you mean there's going to be a whole day's event just about podcasting? I was like, this is crazy. And I was just like, I think I was one of the first 10 or 20 to sign up. But it was this idea of like being around people that are speaking your language. And so 
I was in corporate America, and then I the next thing I did was um, I went to a, a two-day workshop here in Los Angeles, uh, and it was being held by a guy by the name of Taki Moore, who's still my coach. Uh, the program is called Black Belt, and it's, it was just a very high-ticket uh, coaching uh, 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 offer that I hadn't heard of before. I didn't realize people like paid that much for coaches. And what I realized is like, oh, wow, he's got something in his brain, his IPs and intellectual property that can help you in terms of frameworks like how to create a business. And at the time, I didn't even have a business, but I just invested in myself. And I said, you know what? I'm just, I still got my six-figure salary. I'm just going to pour it back into this and learn this world. It's literally like going into the, the digital marketing Narnia of like, oh, wait, what's this? A sales page? Oh, a webinar? Oh, landing pages? Oh, email lists? Like all this stuff, like how to write good copy like how to create compelling graphics you know how to people to to buy your stuff and you know, how to price products i was just like whoa this is crazy and i started meeting and, and becoming friends with people who run you know successful high six and seven figure businesses like all online and and i was just blown away joe i was just like wait you can do this and and you're having success with it and like you work from home and so it's just it, so it's just like a, a master class you know like or, or a master's for that matter given everything i'd i've spent you know, over the past three or four years, just learning it. But I don't think it's anything that I would have learned in college. And I think it's really the, the and you probably had some experience with this, but this is, this is like, this is stuff that you need to learn by doing. And they say when you're an entrepreneur, you need to be very comfortable with failure. And I learned that along the way as well. The fact that you have to like, you fall down a lot, you fall on your face a lot. And I think you just learn how to get up faster and dust yourself off faster and just move on to the next thing. I mean, I've talked about it plenty of times here on the show, you know, the, the afternoons on the couch crying and just not feeling it and those days that just don't um they it's just like it doesn't matter that like th you know three days ago or a week ago i was doing something amazing or i had you know this incredible experience or i got this award or or something to that effect because you know what it is is the drive to want to do more right it's the <laughs> drive that like there's there's something else that i need to create there's something else that i need to do there's something else that i need to figure out there's other people i need to meet there's other uh there's just so much more that i want to accomplish um and 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 that moment sometimes that none of that other stuff matters and it's just like why didn't this one thing go right or why hasn't why has it been three days since my last big win like yeah how am i going to get back that 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 dopamine that that, that i once uh i once had so I, I i i commend you for for wanting to to ditch the 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 huge salary you know and all that especially considering you live in california which is like you know yeah uh bonko is crazy for for everything <laughs> well, well i know i know your audience i know your audience is you know business owners and entrepreneurs and i, I want to be like totally up, up front in terms of like i wish i could have the the, the glamorous story that i literally said yeah who's with me i'm leaving like <laughs> like that like that that tom cruise movie uh but in i was just preparing myself the whole way and and i knew in that last year that I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, I don't want to work. Thankfully, it was a consulting job. So I was actually working from home and I would travel to clients in New Jersey like once a month. But I still had that taste of like, wow, this is like what it's like to work from home. And I started because of the, the mastermind I was in, I started adding clients from there. And I had like, I think two or three at the time. And they hired, I was in supply chain IT consulting and they hired a supply chain expert, which I wasn't. I was just, you know, a good account manager. And I, I said, the writing was on the wall. I said, they're going to fire me. I know they're going to lay me off. 
And so I was just working on my business as whatever free time I had. It was on my business, on my business, on my business, building up, like making relationships, keeping my clients happy. And so when they let me, when they had that that call with me, hey, Harry, we got a call with you. I'm like, oh, I know what this is. <laughs> and they, you know, because you want to, you want that direct deposit going in your account <laughs> as many times as possible before they cut it off. And they told me like, yeah, I think we're going to let you go. And I knew it. I mean, I, it was literally like not a surprise at all at all. So I was really on the ledge and they just kind of like nudged me off. Um, but I was ready. I mean, I, I knew it was coming. So I think I wasn't caught off guard. I wasn't blindsided. And I was like, okay, this is it. You know, I'm officially in business for myself. And that was, um, two years ago. So I think that was this December. I, I, they told me, I think it was December of 24. That would be 2015. I think it is. And yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, having that, that, uh, that talk is never, never glamorous. I mean, uh, you know, as I've mentioned in the show before, and I think I mentioned on the show, I might've mentioned on the show, you know, my, my exit was not glamorous either. <laughs> you know, ending in a fist fight is not a great way to, so it's not exactly a phone call that, you know, <laughs> it, that, was, it was, that sounds like more than a nudge. Yeah, it was literally, it was, it was the, it was the nudge that I needed to, to get out and, um, and then, fi- and then figure out what the heck I was going to do next. Cause mm-hmm. I really had no idea. I was, I was back in school at that point. So I had no idea what I was going to do. I, podcasting. I, I listened to a podcast podcast about disney world like you know they made enough money to get annual passes out of their deal (laughs) every year but um but harry so so okay so what was uh so once you decided to start full cast what was uh you know some of the first steps you decided to take it was interesting because because i was part of the the biggest step joe was really being part of that mastermind because it was there where i was able to work through a bunch of ideas. I remember when I first joined, I thought I was trying to leverage what I was doing with podcasting. I thought maybe I'd just do a production company and do some editing, but I did the quick math on there. And I'm like, I can't be doing this couple of hundred dollars per show model. I'd need like a hundred clients to have a sustainable business. And I, and the thought of managing a hundred clients was just like made me really freak out. And I was like, that's, that's not going to work. And I looked around the room I was in and I said, you know what, I'm going to create a premium offer that's really full service done for you. Every single aspect of it from production to, to marketing uh, handled for you because these people value their time. I mean, they're paying anywhere from 1500 to 2000 a month to this coach. Uh, you know, that's what these, these, these programs go the ballpark for these programs. So they understand, like what I like to say is that, you know, they, they understand the importance of focusing on their genius. And I like I always like to say there's four kinds of tasks. Those you're incompetent at, those you're competent at, those you're excellent at, and you're genius. Incompetent, competent, you get those off your plate as soon as possible. It's like you know hiring the the housekeeper to come clean the house for you know for hundred bucks every two weeks, whatever. You do that gladly. That's the last thing you want to be doing. But the excellent is where we get stuck because excellent are those things that we're good at. We probably receive training in it. We can do some video editing. I can do some CSS. I can do some HTML. And what happens is like these end up being rabbit holes. Like I end up like in the sidebar of my WordPress site for like eight hours trying to fix like adjust like a a bracket for like an HTML code that's not working. And I'm like, why is that doing that? I'm like hitting refresh 20 times. And then eventually I break down and I and I ask like a uh, a web dev guy and he fixes it in 15 minutes. I'm like, ah, you know, man, then you need to realize like the experts, the geniuses know their stuff, you know. So the excellent stuff is like what you need to get off your plate as well. And then the genius is literally that it's a small sliver. It's like a, a percent, you know, a couple percentage points of what you do, but only you could do it. 
you're the only one because of your training, your life experience, your education, uh, you know, your client base, your whole life experience has put you now in this position where you have a genius, like you have a genius of stuff that only you can do. And so that's where you should be spending your time. Like that's like, what's an hour of your time worth? Like for me, an hour of my time is best spent with a prospect that I can close down and, and turn him into like a, you know, $24,000 client. You know, that's, that's where an hour of my time is worth. And so that's why I hired a, pro, a project manager now. That's why I have two VAs in the Philippines. That's why I outsource all my production to transcribers, to show writers, to editors, because that's each one of those individually, they all have their genius. And what they do kind of frees up my headspace so I can focus on the bigger, like, you know, more aspirational things like, oh, where do I want to grow my business? Or, or what cl- type of client should I go after? Or what type of lead magnet should we be working on? Just, you know, bigger thought ideas that, you know, are the things that you should be spending your time on. I, you know, if this doesn't hit somebody in the face right now, uh, you know, but there's a lot of people out there that won't necessarily go and do the VA thing the for virtual assistance for anyone who doesn't know. Um, and, and, and me personally, like, I mean, I've used Fiverr a number of times and as I've gone along, I, I start, I find myself using it more and more to do things. It's like, well, I could do that in Photoshop, but for me, it's going to take me probably an hour or two or three hours to figure it out versus like. I can literally sketch what I want on a piece of paper, take a picture of it, send it to the to somebody on Fiverr for ten bucks. Within less yeah. than twenty four hours, they'll send me the first draft, and within you know two days or three days, I just gotta have a little patience. Which patience yeah. is is a virtue, but it can be difficult. You can have the thing that you're looking for and get it just the way you want it for like ten bucks. Whereas me, I would have had to spend like a you know hours days who knows how long to get it just right because i'm not you know a photoshop expert but but there's so many examples of things like that and and going to upwork to get very you know specialized Mm -hmm. people that that do these things um because it's it's worth paying someone else so you can focus on the things that you really important to you now with that comes the um you know do you have the power to let power go and and that is very difficult especially for like type a A people that are like i got it's gotta be perfect um did you find yourself with that that type of issue harry yeah i mean in the beginning i was totally like that because i'm the type of person that felt like i can do it all and and i think there's some part of it joe where you do need to be able to do everything that needs to get done in your business at uh, you know, you need, you need to understand it at a high level. So in the beginning, I mean, when I, because I started podcast junkies on my own, I was doing my own editing and I, I learned because I, I studied electronic music production. I knew how to master audio and you know, that's overkill obviously. So editing audio, just an audio file is like super easy. Once you've done like 12, 15 track songs and you're like, okay, a song and an intro, I can do that. <laughs> and so I learned a lot, you know, thankfully I had that skill set. And I was fascinated by the idea. I wrote my own show notes. I would sit there. Each episode would take me like three or four hours because I would listen to it. I would edit it. um, I would write the show notes and I would pull out some quotes. I would pull out the links mentioned and just I was doing it all. But then I knew what I wanted done later on. So that's why it's really important. And the other thing I did, Joe, is I I documented it. I knew early on. I remember being in my office thinking one day I'm going to have someone do this for me. And I would just write in a, in a text document originally. Now we use a tool called process street, but I would write in a text document. Step one, open WordPress or open WordPress, log into site, you know, click on posts, add new posts. And I just literally like write this out. Cause I'm like, I'm going to hand this over and I'm going to test this with my VA. Cause she was helping me with the mobile app. So I was like, maybe she can do this. And I'm of the firm belief that if anyone anything gets screwed up from a, a instructions you've given, it's your fault, not theirs, because you just weren't clear enough. 
And what you have to realize when you work with folks like VAs who typically they come from the Philippines because they have a really strong command of the English language, but you need to give them black and white instructions, not gray. Like nothing can be left for interpretation. Like if there's any option for them to make a decision here, like should I do this or should I do this? You know, they're probably going to make the wrong decision and you're going to end up correcting them. So I would just be like, you know, is there any room for error here? And I would just I would have these 10 or 15, 20 step thing like documents. And I was like, okay, this is exactly the SOP, standard operating procedures for how you post a episode in show notes to WordPress. And then I would just have them and I would just catalog them and save them. And then I started testing them out with the VA. And over time, like what happens is the first time someone does something for you based on those instructions, it is like a physical weight is lifted off your shoulder. You're just like, holy moly, like I, I, the sheet, and they're going to get it about 80% right the first time. And you're like, okay, okay, I can just tweak it. And she's like, I didn't understand this part and this part. So you fix that. And then you start writing more and more SOPs. And I use a, a plugin for Chrome called, uh, they keep changing the name. I think it's called Vidyard, but it's, it lets you literally plug in, you hit Chrome record, it starts recording your screen and it picks up the mic and you're like, okay, uh, Ivy's one of my VAs name. Okay, Ivy, this is what we're going to do. And I show her, I click here and now I don't even write them as much. And I, now I record the videos and I say, can you write, can you write the SOP based on the video I just shot? So now it's even easier because I'm just like, this is what we need done. This is how we do it. And now like even the, the, the next step is now my project manager writes the SOPs and shoots the videos. And I just tell her, Hey Sarah, she's based here in LA. And I was like, Hey Sarah, just, uh, we need an SOP for this. And then I, we even have SOPs for how to create SOPs now. <laughs> There's a, a really good book called uh, Work the System by Sam Carpenter, which is really like the, the seminal book on, on standard operating procedures and why they're so important. And another one is uh, Checklist Manifesto, if anyone wants to look into that, deeper into the subject. No, I, you know, I'm all about processes, uh, writing, writing a book that, that to focus on processes. Um, I, you know, so I, that, is, that is really awesome and really in-depth. So I really do appreciate you, Harry, uh, giving up that much information about how you go about doing that because there's a lot of people out there that, that, that are just nervous that they're not going to get their return on investment or their time. Uh, and and it really, if, you, if you're willing to invest a little bit of time, you're going to get so much out of that. Um, and I, I know, you know, even having my own VA, um, out in Colorado, she does a lot of things for me. And, and in some cases we, we have phone conversations, but we also do, you know, I do screen capture and things of that nature to, to get, you know, to get it to where we want to be. So Harry, when you left the corporate world, how did your family take that? Well, my family is, uh, uh, we have no kids just my wife and my, and my Yorkie was okay with it as well. My Yorkie disco, <laughs> but I think it was, it wasn't something that just happened. Literally I walked home and be like, Oh, you know, I, 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 I'm now in corporate America. I had dabbled in adventures like that previously. So when I left my, my corporate job to go work at a startup, you know, I, for a while I didn't tell my parents and I told them what I was doing. And then I had to explain to them. I don't think I mentioned the fact that I wasn't getting paid, but <laughs> But it, um, I did mention that. So I think they always knew that there was a streak inside of me. And then when when I told them, I mean, at, at some point you get past the age where you have to actually tell your parents. So it's really just my wife and and she saw what I was working on, what I was passionate about. And, you know, I I kind of gave her the, the warning signs. I'm like, hey, it's not looking good at this job. That's why I'm doubling down on on my business. And I, she just would see me spend you know long nights working on it. And the fact that I was getting clients showed that I was having success. And so when it happened, it was just like, you know, there was a lot of communication on that front. And I think that's what, what made the transition easier because it, was, it wasn't something that literally happened overnight or where I just 
showed up one day and said, by the way, I don't have a job. So <laughs> I was literally working in parallel and just doing building my business as I as I as I saw the writing on the wall for the, the last few months of my job. No, I I mean that 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 is awesome that you uh you built that and I'm glad that you found podcasting, you know, a couple of years ahead of this time to give you help give you that <laughs> that path. Yeah. Um so what's what's your hobby outside of podcasting, Mr. Junkie? <laughs> I I don't get to play as much with my uh my record collection as 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 I would like to. I mean, that's a real real passion of mine. I, I I started DJing uh, when I was in high school. I probably and I DJed my junior uh, junior high school dance. So you know, and I'd been DJing probably a year or two before that. And I just remember just so that's been a, almost a lifelong passion at this point because I remember like seeing my cousin and a family friend. So those are the two people that I saw, and and I realized that the, the power that they had over over like controlling the crowd with the music, and I was just fascinated. And that's this was the birth of hip hop too. This is mid eighties, and so all that stuff was happening at the same time. The beat street, the break dancing. Um, it was just like so much interesting and fun stuff. And I was, and I grew up in that DJ culture and that DJ environment and went into house music and started going to festivals. So that's been a lifelong passion, but just overall, I mean, and other hobbies is just because now that we're in, in California, we do a lot of hiking, you know, like almost every weekend we're, we're finding a, a new trail and it's just something to get out. There's, there's something to be said for seeing like palm trees and mountains outside my window right now. So just anytime we can get out and then traveling, is always a passion, you know, just we've been to so many different countries um, and just fascinated by the idea of, of cultures. And so I, I feel like that's always going to be a consistency, just continuing to travel as well. Yeah, I I, uh, I just got to see the, the mountains and the palm trees again for like the fourth time in my life uh, nice. being out there just a little bit ago. Unfortunately, I didn't get to see you because you were out in Vegas speaking at NAB, which is congratulations, by the way. Thank you. How did that talk go? It was interesting. It's uh, for those that don't know, NAB is the National Association of Broadcasters, and it's about a hundred thousand people there, which is completely overwhelming. Uh, some of those booths are the most crazy, ridiculous <laughs> uh, vendor booths I've ever seen, with like mini movie theater screens on there. Avid, Adobe Premiere, you know, all these digital media companies are there, and it, there's just like a overwhelming like sensory overload. It's just crazy, like video and and AR and just like digital software and, and and TV stations from different countries are there. It's just so many. There's like four floors, like two floors and three different areas, north, central and and, and south. And it's just like you're, you're walking nonstop. And there was a little, little, little bit, little podcast pavilion. And then there was also a podcasting track. And so thanks to um, the founders of Podcast Movement, uh, Jared Easley, who I referenced earlier, and Dan Franks, they invited me to be part of a panel called The Mechanics of a Quality Podcast. And we all had 15 second, uh, 15 minute uh, slots. And I talked uh, my piece. I closed it out with um, how to market a successful podcast. That that is that is awesome. Congratulations. Um, so it, before, uh, if you're listening and you still want to get the ultimate podcast launch game plan, uh, which includes the six pillars of success of, of a successful podcast launch by Harry Duran, uh, just stay tuned to the end here and, and he will tell you how you can get a hold of that launch plan. Harry, in the meantime, what's been your biggest roadblock? I think uh, the biggest roadblock is a, a consistent source of leads um, because of the nature of how I, I've grown my business. I've 
relied heavily on referrals. And just because of who I am and the network that I've built up through through podcasting and how I how I've been passionate about networking from for the show. Um, and you've probably seen this and, and for your listeners benefit, I, I make yellow t-shirts, which is the color of my podcast. And I take them to all the podcasting conferences, uh, to promote my show. So which is a lot of fun for me. And this is going to be the fifth year podcast movement that I'll do it. Um, so I had that mindset. I like this idea of like meeting people face to face and that's how I've grown my business. A lot of, a lot of business comes through referrals. And, you know, as any business owner knows, you can't only rely on, on referrals because at some point that's not something that you can consistently count on as opposed to saying, OK, I'm going to go out and I'm going to get uh, go out on LinkedIn and maybe make a 100 contacts. And that will result in like 10 responses and that'll end up as two conversations and then maybe I'll close one deal. And so like that becomes the formula, right? That becomes your funnel. Like, OK, I know that every week I need to hit hit up. 100 people on LinkedIn or 200, you know, if you're not getting that one sale, you know, just you keep upping that number until you get to until you get that one sale. And then you know what the math is. And so I think I'm moving more into that now. And I'm realizing I need to have a, a discipline um, to do something on a consistent basis that moves my business forward. A lot of times we we focus on busy work as, as entrepreneurs and we're like we stare at the calendar and we're like, OK, what do I want to work on? Well, I'll work on the fun stuff first. You know, I want to work on the website. Or I want to work on the on the graphic for my lead magnet because that's cool. That's fun. Right. Or work on some copy for a retreat that I'm doing. You said, cause that's cool. Right. But I think I had a, a like a, an aha moment, you know, just last year where I realized the, the first task I need to be working on in the morning is something that's going to drive sales to my business or, or just put a dollar in my pocket, you know? And so all the other tasks, if, if they don't do that, or if they don't meet that requirement, then I probably shouldn't be working on it. And, and maybe it doesn't have to be like the 9am task or the 8am task, but you should have that prominently in your day that this slot of time, this 90 minutes, you know, this sprint is going to be on uh, a task that specifically is going to help me grow my business. No, I, I, I totally agree. I mean, yeah, it is fun. And I think, um, I remember hearing somebody talk or somebody, Maybe it was a, a, a guest on my show at some point talking about like hiding from your business in those tasks. You know, you, you get so wrapped up in like, oh, well, if I just do this and I let me just play test this. Oh, let me open up Google Analytics for a little bit. And then like three hours go by and you're like, what did I really accomplish here? You know, what dollars did I put into the business? Um, exactly. That, you know, what did I directly do that can affect the fact that I can continue to do this at all? Um, and that's, I think that's a really good litmus test for, for, for trying to figure out like, will this graphic make a difference? Will this, uh, this little thing in the sidebar, will that really make a difference? Yeah. Um, it might, but chances are it probably won't. <laughs> I mean, you know, not everybody, you know, is, is going to be the multi, you know, billion dollar corporation, the, the targets and the, the Walmarts and the Best Buys and the Amazons of the world that like have somebody that all they're worried about is making sure each little piece of that is, is fine. Yeah, I agree. So, uh, so growing up, Harry, uh, growing up in, in, uh, the birthplace of, of hip hop, uh, what was your childhood dream growing up? I think, uh, my childhood dream, um, I've had to think back, there was there was definitely part of me that at some point wanted to be when I started DJing and I started getting into electronic music production. I, there was like a a definite time when I thought I wanted to be like a globe trotting DJ, and I was following so many of them. And I got into music production, and I had a couple of tracks 
picked up by Beatport. Well, picked up by a label, which eventually made its way onto Beatport, which is, for those that don't know, is a huge music site for electronic music. And I was like, ah, I made it. I'm going to be famous. I was just already lining up the limos, you know, <laughs> and getting ready to pop the champagne in the VIP rooms. <laughs> and that was like the first and last uh, EP. It was like three tracks. I had it on there, but under DJ HD. And uh, so that was interesting because I was like, oh, I thought for a moment I was going to like I was devoting all my time to do that. I was spending like hours and hours like producing tracks and I was just generating my own stuff, but it just didn't take off. So that was something that I that I thought of uh, early on. But as far as like having a dream of what to wanted to be, I don't know. I, I think I felt there was always something entrepreneurial about what I wanted to do. I remember dabbling in a lot of stuff while I was, while I was still doing um, it you know, corporate America stuff. And obviously the seminal book for a lot of entrepreneurs was the four hour work week. And I remember that kicking off a bunch of ideas that I thought I'd do. I thought at one time I was going to create something called a natural travel kit. So I was ordering the, like, these hemp travel kits as samples. And I was getting these mini uh, sample bottles of like, uh, all these, all the stuff you'd have in a travel kit, like conditioner, shampoo, but I had to make sure they were all organic because I wanted to make it like a hundred percent organic, all natural, like travel kit because I was following this blogger and he said, if anyone creates this, I'll promote it. And I was like, oh yeah, hey, I'll do it. And I remember reading Tim Ferriss's book at the time. And I was like, oh, I was, I was getting, it was just this weird rabbit hole I went down <laughs> and I was going to just focus on this idea of like, um, uh, all, all my, all my blogging would be about this topic, but it's just one of those ideas that you try, right? And as an entrepreneur, you try a bunch. I remember I was getting into niche sites because I was reading stuff that Pat Flynn was talking about online. And, and I don't know why I, I created a site for German Shepherd puppies because it was like he's, he's like, you got to make something that's super, super like that a lot of people would like. And then you could post content about it. And it's got a super niche following, like, you know, like this pages around corgis or something like that. So I thought I don't know why, but I thought it was like something about German Shepherd puppies. And I just was going to just make a super, super, super niche site. And obviously with all those changes to Google, none of that stuff works anymore. But these are just things that pop out of your head when you're like trying everything. I remember I was listening to uh, a web, a, a podcast called Dynamite Circle, oh, a program called Dynamite Circle. It's for, for nomads who are entrepreneurs. And uh, it was just, a, I, was just I think I was paying 150 bucks to, to be part of that, that mastermind a quarter. And, I, and they, they mentioned something about about pages really sucked. And I said, well, I'll create a service called aboutification, aboutification.com. And I would write your about page for you and I'd charge you a hundred bucks. And I think I, uh, one of the guys from the podcast, he like reached out and he's like, yeah, you can do mine. And I think I did two. And I was like, this is not scalable at all. So <laughs> it's just, just, you know, just another, you throw a bunch of stuff at the wall um, when you're getting started early on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they say you're not supposed to write your about. Um, you're supposed to get somebody else to interview you and mm. then write the about for you based on That's that. That's probably interview. a good idea. That, yeah. And that was how I got my first real about. Um, and then I've kind of just tacked on around that since since then. But but it probably wouldn't be a bad idea to get to get somebody to do that for me again. I had to reach out to some of my writer friends. Anyway, uh, so w with all that said, Harry, what are your dreams for the future looking like? I think what I, I really want to make a, an impact when I have this new mission that I say I want to help a, a million people find their voice. And it's, it drives a lot of what I do and it drives a lot of the talks I give about this idea of finding your voice because I think it's really important. Um, you know, I, I believe everyone has a unique message that needs to be heard by your intended audience. And, and I don't want people to wait 20 years, like, you know, 20 plus years like I did, you know, and, and if I can do that through podcasting and it's going to be through a, a, a compound multiplier effect, right? Because I, I don't think I'm going to exactly connect with a million, a million podcasters, but I can connect with people who 
have networks or who are going to start their show and are going to impact people with their message. And so that's how I see it. Like I want to, you know, find the people who can help me, you know, exponentially grow that. And because there's so many different ways like we can help people find their voice. And sometimes it might be by being on a show. Sometimes it might be by starting a podcast or sometimes it may be by creating a business that empowers people to, 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 to find out, you know, what their dreams are in life. So I think that's my, my big, my big goal. I, they call it your BHAG, your big, hairy, audacious goal. Uh, and that's something that's really top of mind for me now. No, I think that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it is a multiplication factor, you know, the, you know, working with the right people that, that touch that many people's lives and, um, you know, it, it's, you have to, you, you kind of have to, 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 cause you're not going to be able to talk to a million people. I mean, maybe over the course of the rest of your life, if you set up a game plan and, and automate your business to that point where you're just like every yeah. single day I'm talking to 30 <laughs> exactly. people and, and, you know, but at what point are you able to really, um, have meaningful conversation yeah. to, to equate to that million, like actually affected. That's a lot. Yeah. So it becomes a lot of diminishing returns at some point. Yeah. 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 But I, I, you know, it's good to have a plan and it's good to have a, uh, a mission. I mean, I have my own mission and, um, I think that's, that's absolutely awesome. So Harry, super Harry, how can people get in touch with you? And can you please share how they can get their own copy of the ultimate podcast launch game plan? Well, I want to thank you again for having me on your show. I, 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 every interaction that I have with, with, on these shows as a podcaster, I know what I'm asking for of guests to have them come on. So I'm eternally grateful anytime someone asks me to come on their show. So thank you for that opportunity, Joe. Uh, so the web, the, the, the download, it can be found at fullcast.co uh, forward slash uh, Joe. And then, uh, <laughs> J O E. That's that. <laughs> <laughs> That's a yeah, full cast. And I'm still, I'm still deciding at what point I'm going to go start chasing the fullcast.com uh, itself. How, <laughs> how, how much are they looking to get for that? I don't know. I think I think it was in the ten to twelve thousand dollar range. So I probably would have to have someone else go after it. That's not. That doesn't look like it's coming from me because anything. Anytime they can sniff out that you're after the domain and you have a business already, then they're just going to jack up that price. So that's the best place to get the download. And that's also my website, fullcast.co. I'm on, uh, I'm on Facebook, um, at Harry Duran fullcast, uh, and you can engage with me with me there. And then Harry Duran FC on, uh, Instagram and Twitter. Awesome. Well, I will have those in the show notes at, uh, the business TV for everyone to go and check out. Harry, it has been absolutely awesome having you here on the show. Thank you so much for taking the time, and I would absolutely love to have you on again. I'm looking forward to seeing you in September at MapCon and at Pop- yes. Podcast Movement in August. Or August, not September, sorry, July. Um, July. Yes, 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 July. And uh, <laughs> is there any last thoughts you'd like to share before we wrap up here on this episode of the Business Podcast? I'm stretching right now because I can see that you're thinking. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just I think I think really the takeaway is um, understanding that you're never going to have all the answers and you know, spe- specifically for your audience, you know, when, you, when it comes to starting your business and, and quite honestly, the idea that you have in your in your mind as a result of this conversation may not be the business that you have in three years. You know, I, I tried so many things, Joe, and I know you did. You've done it as well. And I think. 
you just have to be comfortable with failure and you just have to be, you know, it's not a dirty word. It's just, uh, you know, it just means you're trying, you know, if you don't have a, a ton of failures in your, in your pocket, it's because you're not trying enough. You need to be failing more and, and figuring out the stuff that's not working. So you can figure out like what it is that you really want to do that you were meant to do that you were put on this planet to do that. You, uh, and, and that really lights you up every day. And, and I, I believe I've found it with, you know, producing podcasts for, for folks because it's really what I'm passionate about. And I love being behind a microphone. You know, some people love to write and that's why they're bloggers. And some people are super comfortable in front of a camera and that's why they're YouTubers. I love talking, you know, behind a microphone and, and it's, it's, you know, where I, I, and I can help people get better with that. And that's what we do. And, that, and that's what lights me up. But for those that are listening and I'm wondering, like, should I get started with my idea? Should I leave my job? You know, those are bigger questions, but I think do something every day that moves you forward on that journey, even a little bit, you know. And I think you'll find uh, if you surround yourself with, with folks that lift you up, that motivate you, that inspire you, you know, look at that social circle, look at that entrepreneurial circle, the sum of your five friends, like who is that? You should constantly be reviewing that because you want people that inspire you to do good things. I could not agree more, Super Harry. Thank you again so much uh, for, for being on the show and for having me on the podcast, Junkies. I definitely appreciate it. I'm glad that we've got to know each other and become friends over that time. I feel like I'm gasping for air here. <laughs> if you've enjoyed this episode with Super Harry Duran and myself, and you've gotten something out of it, please, I ask you, I beg of you, share it with someone that you know or love that could get something out of it. That's all that I could ask that you could do. You could you could go and like it or or whatever on wherever those things but just share it with somebody personally reach out to somebody that you feel would get something out of this episode or one of the previous 340 some episodes of the business podcast this episode has been brought to you by me super joe pardo and my brand new super retreats for entrepreneurs and business owners who want to get serious about growing their business and want to get away and de-stressify for about four days of their time uh, you can learn more about them at superjoeparter.com slash retreats. Uh, I look forward to uh, having as many of you listeners come out to these retreats. That they're, they're very well priced, competitively priced, if you will. And I, I look forward to helping train them. And not even just train you, but um, learn myself, right? Because uh, as, a, as a whole, we're all students learning from each other's perspectives and each other's uh, experiences. So... Again, superjoeparter.com slash retreats. Super Harry, thank you again so much for taking the time. And thank I you. will see you all next week. Thanks for joining us for this episode of The Business Podcast featuring Super Joe Pardo. Get more business content at superjoepardo.com. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on The Business Podcast, send an email to joe at superjoepardo.com. The Business Podcast is copyrighted to 234 Solutions, LLC.